But I personally like mango because I always I associate um, like White Claws and Trulies with beach weather. Oh yeah. And like our days mangoes. at the beach, and I always would drink the mango Trulies back then. Yeah. Back Hopefully. then, Renee. Back then. Hopefully next year, man. Hopefully next year. No, no, it's a thing of the past. Hopefully world, next year, man. The world Hopefully is different year. now. We're all gone. We're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I got dark quick. I know. <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome We're to Romancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Cobbs, and then record our thoughts on the internet, and share them for the tens and tens of listeners' listening pleasure. Sometimes yeah. before telling his partner that they're starting the episode. <laughs> I thought it would be fun just to start. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you doing today, Max? I'm good, buddy. Um, enjoying our nice Oregon weather that we have here today in yes, Chicago. Very Oregon fall weather. You know, I wish there was Oregon duck football. You oh know, in this kind of weather. Speaking of football, no, 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 no. You can't just launch straight in without any preamble, and you can't fabricate your own segue. I that's cheating. That came natural. No. When I think of this weather and you, and you mentioned Oregon, I immediately think of Oregon Duck football. Yeah, and then you went right to the movie. That's that's. I I had an opportunity and I took it. I figured we'd get back to the preamble, but I'd already made the no. connection. I don't see you're starting to second guess yourself. You're getting too skittish. Oh, you're jumping no, no, at no, the no. first opportunity. Look, you. It was literally there on a silver platter with a very natural <laughs> connection. <laughs> It was. You're I'm right. You're right. It. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm right. Take it. As I mentioned, I was planning on getting right back to the preamble, but I had to take the opportunity. You ruined the mood. You ruined the conversation with your <laughs> bitching. <laughs> your bitching. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time you've watched this movie, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is the first time I watched it. Um, of course, I knew about it and everything. I mean, it's. I think this is a pretty standard movie to know about. So, um, yeah, I knew about all of it. I knew the the famous scene at the the end when you complete me and you know shut up. You had me at hello, but it was always out of context for me. So I when I watched that, it, yeah, and, context. <laughs> so when I watched him like coming in to that scene, I had actually I actually had to rewind to the beginning where he comes in and says hello. Because as it's leading up to the moment, I'm like, wait, this is the moment? That's the hello she's referring to? I got to rewind. Hang on. So, like, putting it all the stuff that I'd heard culturally, like, pop culturally into context finally was kind of cool. Um, and I'm glad I didn't watch it as a kid, as I mentioned to you before we even started recording. Was I, I definitely think it's a lot more of an adult film. So I'm glad I watched it at this age because I can appreciate it better. What about you? Have you seen it multiple times? Uh, so this is... <laughs> so going back to what I've revealed 
for in previous podcasts. Uh, my my parents divorced when I was four, and neither side was like well off as far as like monetarily. So whenever there was movies that, and, and both my parents loved going to the movies. So whenever there was a movie that either parent wanted to see, in lieu of getting a babysitter for me because I was the youngest of four and the young the second youngest older sibling was eight years older than me. Right. So. I, you know, like, so you're, you're essentially an only child at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just like my, like either get my 16 year old sister to watch me as I'm eight years old, or if she wants to watch the movie as well, now you got to take the eight year old with the 16 year old to go watch the movie, the three of us. And that's what happened with like this movie in particular. (laughs) So, um, I okay. saw Jerry Maguire in theaters yeah. <laughs> when it came out in 96. And how old were um, you? Eight? Eight. Yes. So at eight years old, you saw some pretty nice side boob. <laughs> and then when uh, the movie came out on VHS, it was immediately snatched up by my mother because she loved the movie. She thought it was hilarious and, and fan, fantastic rom-com sort of thing. So she bought the VHS sale. I'd seen it multiple times on VHS. And, you know, apart then, then, you know, as you go through puberty, there's a particular scene you may rewind to a, a time or two. <laughs> so, you know. And, just, and, you know, one you may reference on multiple adult, episodes. But now as an adult, I understand the humor behind the scene. Just, <laughs> I, now I get why, like, my mom and other people would laugh at that scene as opposed to you know awkwardly crossing their legs i get it now so now basically the theme of this episode is for this movie we both understand the meaning of context <laughs> yes we both understand context. it's a completely different context because i also remember at that time uh you know i listened to the radio a lot whenever i was in a car or if i was playing video games i'd have the radio on and i remember z100 <laughs> oh fucking yeah z100 100 they always played like today's pop hits and whatever oh, the yeah. shit um second only I, to k-duck yeah well i it's something i've been thinking about recently and i don't i'm kind of miss it do you remember in the 90s when there'd be a song for a soundtrack and then they'd intersperse movie clips into the song oh i do remember that and, and sadly, that, the only example of that I can think of is the one from fucking <coughs> the, uh, the the Twilight series. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they would intersperse Twilight into the, like, what, the Bruno Mars song? Or? No, it's, uh, um, oh, what's her name? Chris, Christina... Oh, I don't know. It's that Thousand Years song, I think. I, oh, uh, Christina Perry? Yes, yes. I'd love you for a thousand years or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. A thousand more. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. That song's boring as fuck. No wonder they did it. But, <laughs> uh, and, um, so, no, I, but... I actually don't mind that song. Yeah. So, that was, like, a big thing, in, like, on radio stations, is that they would all... They'd play, like, the special movie version where they edited movie clips into the song. And the, one of the big ones I remember was for Jerry Maguire, 
the movies or the song Secret Garden by Bruce Bingstein. Oh, which was originally made in '95, but then they re-released with the soundtrack, and then there was an edited version that Z100 played all the time of movie clips interspersed into like the saxophone solo in the middle <laughs> of Secret Garden, <laughs> and like so you have the verse of Bruce Springsteen going. She'll give And just like singing the verses and just like God she had and then it just goes to like the the slow saxophone the and then all of a sudden there's like the fucking dialogue of like but he I love him. I love him, I love him. And I don't want to hold back, like yeah, or whatever she says when she does. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. When oh, he's overhearing her, that was literally I could I remember it like fucking yesterday, like that whole all the clips in that damn song. Oh and, man, like that wasn't the only one that it was done for. I feel like there might have been another one for like, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia. <laughs> no, I think just Bruce Springsteen did a song for that, and that's why I'm getting confused. They did it for other movies. No, they uh, definitely did. It was yeah. it was a and trend the, during our youth. And like uh when the graduation song came out from Vitamin C, the like as we go on Oh we... Jesus, I forgot about that song. Yeah. K Duck, the fucking Eugene top hits. Damn right. That's what I said were, earlier. I was like, well, it's they did something with, like all these high schoolers who were graduating that year called in and shouted out their high school. And so then like in the middle they edited all these like high schoolers where you just be like you know well Lambert high school churchill high school and like it really went up to salem in like north salem high school mcnary high school yeah like i know i know exactly what you're talking about that was our that was our graduation song and that was our like we (laughs) called into that (laughs) (laughs) me personally i was more fond of here's to the night by eve six i think it's a better graduation song but i don't know that song the here's to the nights we felt alive. Here's to mm. the tears. And you might remember if you heard it. Anyway, I did enjoy your rendition of it, though. A graduation song. Anyway, so yes, I have many memories of this movie, and I remember it like when it was out, and it was a absolute phenomenon pop culturally. Um, and as we get into the stats, we'll hear some some big things here. Uh, but let's go ahead and go through this. <coughs> Some um, big things. Jerry Maguire is a 1996 American romantic comedy drama sports film written, produced, and directed by Cameron Crowe. And it stars Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., Renee Zellweger, and Regina King. It's produced in part by longtime Simpsons producer James L. Brooks. And it was inspired by sports agent Lee Steinberg, who acted as a technical consultant on the crew. And Lee Steinberg is a legit agent. I was wondering how they came up with that idea for a a career choice. Yeah. It was released in North American theaters on December 13th, 1996, produced by Gracie Films. And if that sounds familiar to everyone, that's because that's what plays at the end of Simpsons episodes. That's Gracie Films. I don't know. But didn't you mention Gracie Films earlier on another... I think I mentioned it as a joke in regards to the Simpsons. I thought you mentioned it was 
it was like the cover corporation for an actual like an actress who runs the production company or something uh, it must have been a different title it wasn't yeah crazy. maybe i'm thinking of someone else yeah yeah um and as far as the uh release date as i mentioned december 13th 1996 the running time how long was the movie well this one i cheated on because i saw it when i rented it on amazon and it was uh, i like exclaimed out loud at the tv like it was robbing me of two hours and 20 minutes of my life and i was like <laughs> that there is no excuse for a rom-com being that long yeah it there's no rom-com in the world that needs to go over two hours yeah, it's 139 minutes, and despite its quality, which I think you and I will both agree, it's a quality film. Um, it, it there's it, it's a little long winded. It, it's like it is. Yeah, it's, it, for it, for the like I said, for the genre of film, it doesn't need to be that long. If we're like delving into a more like deeper, like metaphysical or political or cultural or religious or whatever issue. And that's what the film was about. Yeah, there's more to explain. There's more levels to it. It's a fucking rom-com. It does not need to be that long. And we talked about this uh, with Definitely Maybe, but as I mentioned at the beginning, it was written, produced, and directed all by Cameron Crowe. So there was no other person to edit or say, maybe we should cut it down to this, cut it down to that. Which, when you put it into context of that, again, with the context... <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually kind of impressive, like to be to for one person basically to take hold of all major critical roles of the filming, mm-hmm. and I, write a a pretty successful fucking movie. Oh yeah. Like it's impressive. I mean, that, that's part of it. Like the dialogue is a two is a two edged sword in this movie. Yeah. Because yeah. Part of it is just like nothing sounds like this and it sounds so lived in and like unique and like, but at the same time, very comfortable and within the, the rhythm of speech. And that's because it's coming from one voice. One voice is trying, knows exactly, is very assured of how he wants this to sound. Cool. Oh but yeah, then yeah. He doesn't have, he also has license to continue conversations or intersperse like thoughts that elongate scenes uh i mean i just like think of yeah yeah you I don't get a like, you don't get the refined product that you would have with a, yeah. a a wider variety of people i mean i think of the ending scene and i mean we'll, we can talk about it a little later but i think of when he he says like a good line and then he says this world is cynical and, oh, yeah. and then pauses, and then he says, you complete me. It's like, we didn't need the cynical line. The cynical line is completely out of place there. The only benefit you're possibly providing with that is making it seem like he's just like coming up with these words as he goes, and this is just very off the cuff, from the heart, you know, improv You know, that's the only feeling you're giving by inserting that line, but the line provides no benefit to the context of the situation. He could have just gone straight to you completing me after a pause. And it's just like little little tiny cuts like that can save 
seconds that turn into minutes in a movie and also just make the movie just seem cleaner. And yeah. And I yeah. Like it could have been cleared a little tighter, but that's what you get when you allow someone to have their distinct voice. You get right. some good and you get some bad. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. so it was it was like two hours and 20 minutes, right? Uh, two hours and 19 minutes. 19? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'd be having this discussion with you even if it was 205. You know, yeah. but two nineteen—that's that's not just over two hours. That's that's a significant chunk over two hours. Yep. And if like I'm not I'm not going to sit here and pretend like every movie needs to be under a certain time limit. But for a rom com for that genre, if you need to go over two hours, you better damn well have a good reason for it. And. I agree. And I agree with you that I think it could have been flushed out a little bit more. But it doesn't I'm not trying to take anything away from the movie itself. I just feel like it could have been finessed a little bit. Focused. Yeah. Yes. So the budget for the film in ninety six was fifty million dollars. Holy shit. Yeah. What? They gave this script that much money in 96. God damn. It's impressive. On top of that, that's the that was the going rate for Tom Cruise at the time. So I mean, 90, 96. Put that in put that in context for me. Is that yeah. what are we talking? Is that minority report? Is that Mission Impossible yeah. 2? What is this? What are we talking here in Tom so, Cruise's career? Tom Cruise in 96. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's see here. Was he, was he, I, I don't know, was he really well known at that point? Because, like, Mission Impossible and, like, everything else, they're coming in after. But, like, he's had quite a few, quite a few, like, hits by this time. I mean, yeah, that's. Been, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking he's at. Been doing, he's been making hits since the 80s. You know what I mean? So, like, in 96, he's known. Um, so, like, yeah, so. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, he was wow. in, like, All Risky right. Business looking, was, like, I'm 83. At, I'm looking at his, yeah, I'm looking at his. Yeah. So Oh, fucking Top Gun. How do I forget that movie with it? I for some reason I don't associate Tom Cruise with Top Gun. I don't oh, know. Oh Jesus. Okay, yeah. You're so lost in the woods because you don't even know he's been and this was something my sister Rebecca and I talked about a couple days ago. Like he's been making hits since the early eighties. Jesus Christ, with yeah. No pause. Like he has been one oh, of the God. biggest actors in the world since eighty two. With no pause in holy shit, yeah. I'm looking at his filmography on Wikipedia, it's like every single year there is a film, and sometimes there are multiple films in that year. Actually, during the early 2000s, it jumps way up, like he just goes to town, yeah. Oh my god, I don't think I ever realized just how many films Tom Cruise has been in. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget he was in uh, <laughs> fucking Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he 
since fucking was... eighty since eighty one. Excuse me. Yeah, that was his first movie. Jesus. Yeah. So eighty so, eighty one. So he's been acting for thirty fucking years. Forty years. Wait, no. Yeah, yeah 40, forty years. Shit. Thirty-eight right now. So, and then, yeah, he's got Top Gun Maverick coming out next year. Jesus. So. And Mission Impossible Seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. You're gonna get Tom Cruise at any time, but especially in the mid '90s when. A, a name, a big name actor basically means you're at least making your budget back. True. You know, so that probably is 25 mil right there. They probably did half their budget on him. Was Renee Zellweger known before no, this movie? This was, this was her breakout role. This was? Okay. Yep. This was the breakout role for her. And then you get Bonnie Hunt, who's not like a big name. You get Regina King, who's a, no, a known actress, but I'm sure they got her for less than a mil. Way less than a mil. Um, and I'm sure they got Kubi Gooding Jr. for less than a mil, too. I'm sure the rest of the acting combined was like a million or two. Probably, like, yeah. So, and then they just basically made a film in L.A. for $20 million, which, as a big studio, makes about makes sense. So, I mean, yeah, no yeah. huge filming locations put, or anything yeah. like that. Like, they put, 30, they put 30 mil on actors, and 25 of that was the top groups. And then the other twenty mil was working with the NFL in order to get rights to use their licensings and teams and all that sort of shit, and then and filming on locations. Hmm. So, so with that, with that being said, all that being said, how much did it make in the box office? I'm gonna go with two twenty five. Two twenty five, you said. Mm hmm. I'm trying to get a drink of water before. I Give me the answer. Give me a second. I'm going to finish my White Claw. Oh, actually, I did finish my White Claw. I'm going to get a new White Claw. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Lead, I, I, I'm sensing the build up here. So lead with um, – remind us again how much of you're your not, spent. You're not far off with your 225. Okay. It made $273.6 million in the box Jesus. But in 96 – it was the ninth highest grossing film in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, that uh, sounds about right. Jesus, uh, a raw, a, t- a, a two hour, twenty minute rom com drama sports movie made over two hundred and seventy million dollars at the box office. Why wouldn't it? It's got everything you need. It's got Tom Cruise who is already going to attract all the guys to the the theater at that point because of Top Gun. Then you add to it with like, not only do you give them Tom Cruise, but you give him a mushy role, but in a man's role, he's a fucking agent for a football star. So now you have football elements in the movie. Then you have a real rom-com plot paired with it. You have real romance that actually teaches the characters how to coexist with each other. And so you give women not only something nice to look at in Tom Cruise, but you also You give them a nice cutesy rom-com story with a bit of real world rumifications, if you will, Uh mixed in with it for both sides to learn. Like it's honestly, 
I can completely understand on paper why it adds up to a blockbuster because it's it's got all the pieces. And then on top of all that, it's one of the finest examples of black love on film. Oh my god, their relationship! Like, oh my god, it was relationship goals. Like, I holy shit. Marcy and Rod are down for each other. Day one type shit right there. I love how the last half hour of the movie, whatever happened to Cuban Gooding Jr.'s character, he would immediately say something about his wife. And it would be like, it would be like in praise. It would be like, I love my wife or my wife is the shit or whatever he would say. Or, you know, like it was... My Pisces queen. Yeah, like it was constant. Like he would get awarded for something, and he, or like the football game when he's at the end in the most triumphant moment of his potentially his career, which means more to him than all the records he's broken. He's just the fact that he survived. First thing he says at the cameras, "I love my wife." Yeah, <laughs> like I love that. That is so adorable and hilarious and amazing at the same time. Just. True exemplary black love right there. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, let's just get in, get into the movie. I mean, so this is our first Tom Cruise one. I'm honestly looking at his body yeah, of work. Are there other really Tom Cruise rom-coms? Like yeah. this was the closest, like, cause I mean, there, there's a couple like romantic epics, uh, like, uh, far and away. I think, uh, which was the one about you know Sooners in Oklahoma mm. and all that bullshit. Well, the first movie he was ever in was Endless Love, so maybe that I don't know what that uh, is. I mean, I doubt that's a comedy. It's an American yeah. romantic drama. Yeah, like so this enough. one. This one has enough comedy to be a rom com, but there's a lot of drama in this one. Um, hey, I actually I take that back. He wasn't a second rom com. Top Gun. Oh, of course. How could we have forgotten? Can't forget the volleyball scene. Exactly. And you can't forget <laughs> the power of romance. Play it with the boys. <laughs> or hanging with the boys. Or the fuck. Anyway. <laughs> or every every uh, every kissing scene that started with the same four notes of that song. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> Giorgio Moroder's the fucking shit. That's why. Oh, he take was... my breath away. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be quiet. They'd be looking longingly into each other's eyes and then. <laughs> it's like, yeah, getting down music. It's, it's Pay time. respects to the fucking synth god, Giorgio Moroder. <laughs> He's the shit. Uh, anyway, um, anyway, what were we, so, what were we getting into? What did you think of Tom Cruise as Jerry Maguire in this film? Well, I've never been a, a big Tom Cruise fan. Uh, is mm-hmm. he still in a cult? Because <laughs> <laughs> as a person, that really weighs heavy on me. Whatever your views on Scientology are, you can, you can make your own... Conclusions. Honestly, I've never I, I, a member I've, of the Church of Scientology. Okay, okay. Um, 
I've never personally thought that great of him as a, as a person, but, um, and as an actor, I've always thought he, you know, takes himself a little too seriously and, mm-hmm. um, his ego is pretty big, at least from my perspective. But that being said, I can't consciously think of a Tom Cruise movie I've hated or a Tom Cruise role that I've hated. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this one is no exception. I, I, there wasn't a single moment in the movie where I was disgusted by him or, um, you know, uh, turned off from the movie simply because of Tom Cruise. So at least he's a step above Matthew McConaughey <laughs> for me. Um, I liked him. I liked his, his character. Uh, I thought it was real. I thought it dealt with a lot of cool, not cool. I thought it dealt with a lot of adult um, and interesting aspects of adulthood and how relationships play into adulthood that you don't always get from rom-coms. Um, you know, his character is, I always talk about rom-coms as like character growth and that that's what I want to see in the rom-com and, and his character really is kind of the epitome of someone who, would benefit from a lot of personal growth and, but it's done in a way and he portrays it in a way where it's like, he's not just a a sad sack that you feel sorry for. And he's also not an asshole that you hate. It's like a real person, someone that's like, yeah, he's flawed. He makes stupid fucking mistakes. And sometimes he pisses you off. But at the end of the day, He's just like the rest of us. He's confused as fuck. He's frustrated as fuck, but he's, he wants to figure it out. He wants to make things right. So it's like you kind of, at the end of the movie, you, you are rooting for him still. And that's what I, lo- that's what I want to see. So I like him. He's got a secret god. Bow, 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 bow. Um. I feel with with Tom Cruise, uh, I don't know. With Tom, hmm, <laughs> it's odd because he's he's got such range in his acting, and by range I mean he can range from really good to really bad scene to scene. Like, I don't know if he's, like, good at acting or not good at acting. Scene by scene. <laughs> like, and sometimes that was the case in this film. Or, <laughs> like, when he was doing the whole, like, wacky, like, I'm not going to flip out. Or, like, he trips over something. Yeah. He's in the restaurant doing his, like, that's the motherfucker that jumped on the couch saying he was in love with Katie Holmes. Dude, like, that's literally what I picture every single yeah, time I see him. Yeah, it's just like, what are we... I don't know who that is, and I don't like it. <laughs> like, I, it's just... Do you see like, what I mean? So you so you get what I mean about Tom Cruise. It's because, like, it's because whenever you watch an acting performance, you want the acting performance to feel authentic and lived in. And that is how Tom Cruise would act in real life, but I don't think he's being authentic and lived in in real life when he acts that way so it's just an odd layered 
I don't believe you moment. Yeah. Being wacky like that. So there's other moments like when he's fucking crying over Jonathan Lipnicki because he just got broken up and he's not going to be able to be with this kid anymore. And he's crying by his bedside where it's just like, okay, that's really fucking good. Like that's a like Right. Read the emotion there. Like that's good shit there. And it's just there there could be wild swings in his performance and it, this isn't the only time i mean he got nominated for best actor for an academy award in this film uh mm-hmm. there are multiple films there are multiple awards it was also nominated for best picture um and cuba Gooding jr won for best supporting actor oh good 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 yeah um <laughs> yeah, he, i was gonna like when we got into acting roles i was gonna mention him and say that like yeah he yeah. fucking deserves so, it but with like tom yeah tom cruise's jerry mcguire though it's just it works because he does have that slick you know slightly smarmy but also slightly older smarmy like he's He's still bagging chicks, but at the same time, there's also just as many people behind his back saying, isn't he kind of old to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the exact moment you have to be in to play Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Well, and, that's that's what I was saying. Where, yeah, and that's where it's just like, it, it. I guess the real question is, was he worth every penny they paid him probably for this film? I would, I would say, say yes. Yeah. I would say undoubtedly yes, with how yeah. much the money they made in the box office and the performance they got out of it. I mean, could they have could they have casted a better lead male role for a rom com? Probably at that, yes. At that time, I don't know. Uh, let's see who else was who else was a. I mean, if you're talking about who was popping at that time, either you. I mean, the only ones that could probably approach that kind of gross in film. You're looking at either Clooney, Pitt, or Will Smith. In 96? Yeah. Was Will Smith acting in movies in 96? Yes. He fucking... He had just released Independence Day, I think, the summer before. Fucking Independence Day, man. That, like... You need to get up on your Independence Day knowledge. black hole of a movie. I don't know what happened for it with it, but because I don't know it... It has created a fucking rupture in the space-time continuum of my pop knowledge. Like I, yeah. Um. Okay, but then what about like uh, we've covered some mid '90s rom coms though. Like what about like um, uh, like Hugh Grant? I mean, not a. I mean, he's British, so if you want, if you want to stick with American actors, I guess, but. Uh, you want to have a British American sports agent. Well, no, no, no. Okay. I'm just thinking of other, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking of recasting for this movie specifically. I was just thinking of other actors during that time period that were big. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying for this role. You're looking at Clooney Pitt or Will Smith. And I don't necessarily think any one of them fit this role better than Tom Cruise. But of course, I mean, I've just known Tom Cruise's face to be Jerry Maguire for the last 23 years of my life. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like they probably, like, for specifically for the rom-com plotline only, I feel like they could have casted better simply because of 
simply because of what you were saying was it and i guess a little bit I, of what i was saying earlier was that i don't i don't trust him on screen because of what i've seen of him in person not in person that, but like in his personal life that's why i disagree with you again because this the written like what's written for jerry Maguire as a character is that he's easy to be friends with but there's no intimacy there's like there's no connection because there's always some sort of wall some sort of guard something some sort of you know uh uncertainty that causes a disruption in any sort of possibility of a connection so it's just a very cursory connection where like you'll hold hands but when it comes to interlocking like souls there's nothing there no i I get and i I feel like tom cruise being kind of the soulless ghoul that he is in real life (laughs) works this realm and this character yeah i guess i was just thinking like um i I mean yeah I, i like i said i liked him in this role a lot it just when I think strictly from a rom-com's perspective, I think he could have done a little bit better. But otherwise, like, I, I think I would just chalk that up to, like, what you were saying, where it's like he has the big range, where it's like it's just one of those moments where he wasn't as good of an actor in those scenes. But he makes up for it in the other scenes that play to his strengths. Yeah. Uh, as far as... Renee Zellweger as Dorothy. Eh. That, yeah. Like, it's also one of those where it's just like, at times, it was like, oh, she does that part well. And then at other times, it's just like. Yeah, uh, I felt exactly the same. Uh, I I, It's just, yeah, she's a very forgettable character. They could have completely, I really wish they'd recast her. If there was anyone in that movie I'd recast, it'd be her. And that's nothing I, against Renee Zellweger. It's just I, I just. It's it's not that. It's how that character is written. Like that. Yeah. Fortunately, that character is written in a way where she idolizes. You know, Jerry Maguire. She's put Jerry Maguire on this pedestal. Then when yeah. she gets Jerry Maguire, she's supposed to realize, oh, it's not as all, not as cracked up as a. Not all that it's cracked up to be, you know, in my head. Mm-hmm. And then that's when she, like, does the break of everything. I, I feel like in this instance, Renee Zellweger being kind of a, a rookie to the big screen, because this was her breakout role on the screen, and Tom Cruise being a veteran of big budget films and kind of, and the huge star, I feel like they there's talk – like there's talk between actors that sometimes scenes or battles between the actors in real life where right, right. they're trying, they've come in because when you act, you're supposed to have goals. You're supposed to have this magic. If like, what is the best possible result, the best possible scenario I can get out of this scene about to enter. It. And then that's kind of how you build as an actor, build the character. And then you go in and act trying to get this, objective from this moment right and so that turns into a real game where these actors will go in and they won't necessarily converse with each other they'll just kind of read off the script and then go in and 
compete with each other to get what they want. But she was her character was written in such a subservient way that I feel like Renee Zellberger didn't quite know how to play the game, so she just got bullied by Tom Cruise as an actor throughout most of the film. And it yeah. shows mm-hmm. in the character where she's just kind of like always like looking up to him and every time she questions him or wants to stand up to him, she sees him hugging her son and then she just melts again and fucking puts him back on the pedestal and everything else like that. I mean, he had her at hello. Like she never got off the fucking hook throughout the movie. Oh my God. I'm just now realizing that sim- symbolism. What? Uh, like I thought she was, I, I was taking it at face value and assuming she's, well, because she is literally referring to you had me at hello, where I was assuming that it was when he walked in her house that evening and said, hello, hello, like several times to get everyone's attention in the room. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sitting there taking it at face value, but I didn't realize the symbolism that it could have meant where it was like, well, hello is the first thing you say to someone. It's the initial greeting. Before anything else happens between two people. Mm-hmm. So that's symbolism for like, okay, so the first time she saw him, it was love at first sight kind of thing. Ooh, that's a deeper meaning to that. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily think of that. Uh, I think that that's very apropos of the situation, though. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if that was just like a happy accident or if they meant to write that in like that. Because she kind of was like doe-eyed that from the very beginning. Like some, that feels like something where you take a puff of a joint or a pen and you come up with that line. And then and you're like, you just, that's, that's good shit right there. It, and then yeah. you let it sit. You let it sit because like, you're like, yeah, that's because he says hello at the beginning. And then, then like you take another puff and then you're like, but man, also since the very beginning, he's always had her. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then he's like, just cough it and like smile and just like oh my god i'm a genius (laughs) it all works it all comes together it all makes sense everything's connected dude with this when you're when you're stoned sometimes those realizations are the best kinds of feelings like figuring something out where like everything feels like it connects and works is like oh my god i'm done for the day like I just figured out the universe. Yeah, I, you know, but we we just talked about you know kind of the subservient nature of Dorothy and Renee Zellweger's performance. We could talk about Marcy and Regina King in this film, like Regina the King, for, polar opposite. Yeah, she's a fantastic actress. I love watching Regina King, but also get the hell out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> when, she, when she's like beating the fuck out of TV just because TV's been talking that shit. Like, get the fuck out of my house, TV. I, I love how she paused, too. It wasn't like immediate, yeah. like, stand up, scream at him, get the hell out of my house. It was like, can't you ever be quiet? Like, she works up to it. Like, yeah. Man, shut up. Can't you it's ever just, be quiet? Don't you ever yeah. support your brother who only does, only loves you? 
man, get the fuck out of my house. Like, it was just like, he's not even doing anything. It was just a straight buildup where she's just, just like, like sick I'm of it. Trying, just like, I'm trying to be family to you right now. And you're being a fucking piece of shit. And I'm kicking you the fuck out. Nah, I am not. I am not the one today. Eat a dick. Get the fuck out. I love it. Just and that straight showed through in everything that Marcy did in the film as a pregnant woman yelling at Jerry right, like right before he gets fired. Um, then he calls and like just she she's consistently standing up for her man and consistently just like. We will not take shit from anyone or anything. Yeah. And I did love like, that about her a lot. Like, oh, God, that's for like the the, the image of <laughs> the image of her just standing up and taking control of that fucking entire family in that entire room in that in that scene where she tells him to get the hell out of the house. Yeah. I loved and it. Also, it was like that's that's I love that when she like takes command and's like, no, this is I don't care if y'all are family. Yeah, he's my husband's lying on the ground out there. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Fuck you, you all. Be, you this is my house. Mine, and yeah, like, yeah. If you're if you keep fucking yapping, I will beat the shit out of you right now. Like shut up and get and out of my that, house. That that is why he calls her queen. Yes, that's how a queen reacts. That like, is how. No, I, fuck up. That is how a queen fucking commands her kingdom. Queen. Yes. Yes, exactly. And and then on top of all that, just when she gets on the phone with Jerry, she will not take him being unconscious and the doctors being good as an answer. Yeah. You're just gonna, <laughs> you're just gonna have to hang on because your family needs you. I'm losing my mind over here. I'm not gonna hang on. Yeah, and she's just like, no, you don't understand. This whole life thing doesn't work without him so i'm gonna need you to go get him like to me like she's like bring him to me i i thought that was that was really sweet and i thought that was a very a very valuable subtle um demonstration of of a a positive relationship in the movie and how a successful one can work and that it was like she can be this commanding this this strong of a figure and then you see that it's like, but they they need each other. They are a partnership. They require both parts mm-hmm. to operate and function and be their and best. Both parts have a tremendous strength of will. Yes. And they are strongest when they are together. Yes. Beautiful. Just beautiful interpretation and also just and also just never compromising their race and showing that like not only that's how a marriage is supposed to be and how a relationship is supposed to be, but also showing that the model relationship in this film is that of an African, you know, an African American couple. So, yeah. Yeah. For, know, especially for a 96 movie. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And you know, the other part of that relationship being Cuba Gooding Jr. Who won an Academy award. Which he, which he earned. Is, that was a great yeah. role. And he parlayed that into a ton of starring roles in a bunch of shitty movies. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those actors like I know his name and I know his face, but I can't name a single movie this I've was seen his him. Biggest in. role by far. I mean, he had a bit role in like Pearl Harbor. He started a movie called Boat Trip. He started a movie called Radio. 
started oh, radio like there's a lot of films he started after this that were all just not good films yeah um, and you know yeah it was just <laughs> and now better talk uh, to that agent now, well and now like he's a his latest thing is he's a meme because he just constantly goes out and parties in the new york area and just gets like and just looks coked out of his mind as he's going like from club to club. I guess. Jesus, really? Um, there's a there's a meme where he like last year at a club he got on the mic at a DJ booth and he just yelled, hey, "Somebody suck that baby's dick! Somebody suck that baby's dick!" <laughs> he said it's just fuck? like that. I, no what one the knows. Fuck? He so I don't know if he was like saying say like that person over there like saying it like that kind of baby or if he saw an actual baby in the club and wanted someone to suck the baby's dick like no one knows so it's becoming to a meme <laughs> shout out to the bodega boys podcast for making that meme. like just the most like it's just making it the funniest shit ever uh <laughs> yeah that's uh that's keep it getting junior now but in this film Oh my fantastic, god! Fantastic human being. Oh my god! Like that. I mean, I feel like he is exactly like what an athlete should be. In that, show me the money should be exactly how you go into professional sports. Like, fuck all this. One thing I that did not age well in this film was the whole play with your heart. You play with your head, and you shouldn't even. It should be about the way. It should be about the love of the game. You know, just shut up yeah. and play the game. And da, 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 da. it's just like no, 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 no. Now with you're like that, like that TikTok. No, 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 no. But it's just. With everything we know about, especially with racial politics and with like how much fucking money these owners make off of these sport franchises, it's just like, nah, you cannot tell someone to not play for their money. Like, you as an agent need to go get it. And like, that's that's all there is to it. And find a different way to approach the conversation than the way that Jerry did in the film. But nonetheless, like, I, I liked Jerry and uh, Rod's relationship. But the whole, you know, shut up and play sort of thing was just not. Yeah. Not okay. And with Rod, I just I was always like, yeah, tell him Rod. Like, especially if he's like gotten or he's, he's already had a season where he had fifteen hundred and fifty yards. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, not paying him. What else do you have in Arizona? Fuck faces. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, that part I didn't really get. They kept referencing he kept breaking all these records and shit, then if he's really that good, then, yeah, why isn't he getting paid, you know? Well, like they said, like, he's five foot ten, so... So like, what? Like, stats well, don't lie. Records don't lie. Yeah, exactly. But um, they, the whole the idea is that you can't teach size, so size is going to age better. So by the time, you know, size is 32 years old, they're still be able to catch balls like over people's heads and still, you know, performing well. While someone who's like five foot ten and one hundred and eighty pounds, they don't have the size advantage. 
and now they've lost a step or two in quickness and speed because they've been playing for so long and their bodies are wearing down. So now all these younger guys are beating them on the routes and they're not getting open. That's mm. the thought process amongst NFL coaches usually. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but but he still got his because he went out and he fucking got he performed for it. And it's just like at the end of the day, he realized I got a gamble on me, and it worked out for him. Unfortunately, there's a lot of NFL players who still have to gamble on themselves to this day, and are still losing that battle. Yeah, I can think of one who just signed today, Jadavion Clowney, who had to gamble on himself, had to fire his agent for the second time. Oh, shit. And he just got signed today with like three games before the fucking opening game of the year. Wow. Yeah. And who knows what the hell the season even has in store, too. Like, it's and it was, yeah, even it was, more of a gamble. Uh, he was initially looking for a deal where he was making $21 million annually. Jadavion Clowney. He ended up signing for one year in a deal that can be worth up to $15 million if he hits all the incentives. So it's, Which, not even all, it's not even all guaranteed. There was a subtle reference to that early in the film. Did you notice that? When he when uh, Gooding Jr. characters – what is this character's name? Rod, Rod Tillman? Rod Tidwell. 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 Yep. Um, I, I think it's – I don't know what it is. It's earlier on in the film, but um, he says something. I, I want to say it's in like the background or in dialogue or something. You almost miss it, but it's when him and and Jerry Maguire are talking, and he's explaining. I need to hit that. The oh no 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 no! It's not him. No 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 no! It's the uh, it's the very beginning. It's the hospital bed scene. Where the guy yeah. is concussed before the, the kid the tells him player. to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. The hockey player is saying he needs to play 65% of the game. Yeah. So it like immediately tells you that like, okay, having the incentive is good. But at the same time, like it depends on what kind of predicament or life situation you're in. Those can start to feel like prison chains, you know, where it's like you have to accomplish them in order to support your yeah. family. And that's something that it gets lost in the whole idea of you get to play sports for money and yada, 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 yada. Right. Like people don't quite understand the value of a dollar. Like, they think to themselves, oh, I only make, you know, 100000 a year and then uh, and the taxes get taken out and I make this much a month and this is what I have to live off of a month. And then when they see the figures, they don't, they just think that's way more than 100000 yada, yada. They don't, you know exponentially look at the percentages that are still taken out of that extra money. Not to mention like, Tidwell, Tidwell actually even said 350,000 a year, which is what they initially wanted Tidwell to take from that uh, three year, 1.7 million offer that they gave him. Like they like three fifty a year is not, not a tremendous increase from like a hundred thousand a year. Right. You know, when you really look at it. And Tidwell actually says at one point that he has to. He he said it in a way that made me think about it differently. Uh, like, um, 
I don't. I've only got five years left in me, or something like that. And yeah, I've got a ten-year window, and this is year five. I got five. Yeah, years I left. got five years left in me. But then that whatever I make in these five years has to last my family the rest of my life, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And and like when he said that, paired with what the concussed hockey player said at the beginning. Yep. It already started making me think about it differently. Where it was like, you know, as a society we we grew up seeing these huge big name athletes sign these huge contracts but that's not just like every other career in every other part of society in every other part of the world those big name key players aren't the whole field they're not the whole group of players So there's a lot of these other players that aren't making those big sums that are making a lot more than you and I make perhaps, but are still in a situation they're dealing with the same kind of situation in life that you and I may be where it's like, well, they're still trying to figure out a way to support their family. They're still trying to figure out a way to survive. So that put a a lot, those little subtle things I picked up on throughout the movie that, that helped change my perspective and humanize certain other things outside of just the rom-com plot line, which I appreciated that it did that. <laughs> yeah. Cause like just telling someone to, to shut up and play and like, you know, I can't believe that they're, that they wouldn't like sign with this team, even though they're getting offered more money over here. Just like that. It's like, nah, you can't, we don't get to live their lives after they're done playing sports. So we can't argue or have any say in their decisions while they play sports. Right. Like, no matter how much of a quote unquote fan we are, how much, how much we bought to pay quote unquote, pay their salary, yada, yada, blah, blah. It's just like, right. no, no, no. you don't, you don't claim ownership, ownership over this human that just happens to have these skills that you know, it's just not. Nah. And that's, I think that's the important takeaway, what you just said. It's a human. Yep. It's still a human being. Like, yep. it's not Trump we're talking about here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, 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 like I said, I think this movie has like a lot of like the, the good working. It's got it all. It's got a, it's got the, uh, oh, what did he, what's his word for it? The whole package. The quant. The Quan. It's the Quan. Yeah. The movie is the Quan. Yeah. It's corny, but like, it's rom-com corny. It's not like too corny. Exactly. It's rom-com it's still, corny. It's still got bits that you can talk to, talk, you know, talk about and like dig into, you know, as yeah. far as critically and everything. There's still quality here. There's still an intellectual level to it. It's not just yeah. face value stupid there's, puppy you know, there's you know, a lot of there's some sensual scenes in here not to mention we like we don't just witness you know the beginnings of a relationship we like we watched literally fucking everything and then they went back to square one by the end and professed their love to each other but like we watched them meet kiss date <laughs> have a relationship Get married, essentially have a kid together, yeah. and then split up, and then end the movie by 
realizing that they need each other, they love each other, and they want to spend the rest of their lives together. So, like, we saw the whole fucking spectrum <laughs> all in one movie, which normally I would hate. But that span was actually kind of essential to the plot in this movie, so I, I liked it. I agree. Um, I guess. Uh, what, do we me, have any? Do we have any other actors to talk about? I mean, there's Jonathan Lipnicki who played the four-year-old. Oh right. yeah, let's talk about the four-year-old for a second. All right, go ahead. Fuck that kid. <laughs> Fuck that kid for being so goddamn fucking cute. It's fucking bullshit. It's unfair. It's it's warfare. It's it's unfair. It's, just, it's cheating. Just, just look up look up a picture of him now, and you'll be fine. Oh really? He not he not turn out. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It, it it didn't it didn't work out for that kid. It didn't work. <laughs> What's his name? Jonathan Lipnicki. Jonathan Lipnicki. Oh, he turned out okay. Oh, wow. He got ripped. Yeah. Oh, I've seen ripped. this kid before. Where have I seen him? He was also in Like Mike. Yeah. I think that is where I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he's. I think I've seen him in Like, yeah. He's just maybe. very blah now, but anyway. Um,. <laughs> but yeah, his performance is great. Well, I love fucking adorable. So whatever, he could probably coast on that for the rest of his career. But what I loved was the scene where he comes out when uh, Jerry Maguire's drunk and shows up at Dorothy's place, and then Jerry oh, yeah. and Jerry and Ray hang out on the couch while the ladies are like squawking. In the- <laughs> I did love that, and also just like. Uh, just how they fuck up and like she needs to go change her shirt and everything is just like the girls are just like oh my god oh my god da, 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 just like talking about <laughs> everything and like trying to prepare things and, like oh my god why is he in your house yada yada is that, is, like all this and that and the bros like Jerry Maguire is just drunk as fuck and like in an existential crisis and then Ray is four years old and tired and like and wants to go to the zoo and wants to go to the zoo and I'm just like this is me and my bros when I was drunk in my twenties. Just like no, nah, but seriously, I want to talk about my dad some more. <laughs> like, you know, I would, I want to go to the zoo. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like that. Uh, if I had a nickel for every conversation, <laughs> I was drunkenly talking to a bro. And he was just like, no, nah, no, nah, I want to talk about my dad some more. And I'm just like, I want to, Go get some Taco Bell. <laughs> like, so you just you realize that's like literally been our relationship, right? That's yeah, that's our <laughs> drug relationship. That was our drug relationship throughout our twenties, and even going into our thirties to present day. So and it wasn't one sided. It was always back and forth. Where there was always yeah, exactly it was we like we started being friends because we both acknowledged that we were both sensitive and we liked romantic shit like rom-coms like this which is why we yeah. started this podcast 
Exactly. But at the same time, neither of us would ever really always be on the same page whenever it was a social event. So there'd be like one of us that was always unhappy and wanted to talk. And the other one that was like, no, nah, I'm drunk. Let's, I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just like, man, fuck. I, I don't care. Just, I want to play video games. <laughs> I yeah. loved that scene. That was, that was, that was very just like, I've been in that spot with my and, bros. And there were so, there were so many scenes with the two of them where they didn't even like, they would just like look at each other and like giggle and shit. Mm-hmm. Or like, like the kid would say something and Tom Cruise would giggle and then yeah. that would be it. Like it wasn't legit dialogue or conversation or anything. And it wasn't legit dialogue or conversation with the women in the other scenes either. It was mostly like slapstick stuff where like, you know, they're like you said, running into each other with food. She's got to go change her shirt. Now they're, you know, Oh my God, she's reacting to, he's in my living room. What do I do? Like it was, it was a, good dynamic they had set up i agree i and you know with also what also happens in that scene is that they have their technically their first kiss but i don't necessarily think that's the kiss of the movie no 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 the kiss of the movie is at the doorstep yeah after their date yeah 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 Wait, we haven't. Are we getting into the kiss? I mean, yeah, we, we've been talking for an hour. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about their actual relationship a little bit. I feel like the kiss really sets up the relationship, and I and also I feel okay, like we okay. can also talk about. Let's talk about the kiss and then go into what happens after about because I think my what happens after about after is heavy on the relationship, and then we can talk about the relationship there. Okay. Yeah, kiss on the doorstep. What I I agree with you. That's kiss of the movie. What do you think of it? So that's their that's their first date. Um, well, it's not a date. They supposedly they go out to dinner supposedly, and it's yeah. the Christmas get together. First of all, Mexican food, dude, for a first date, like hell yeah, dude, it's brave, but it's brave. I agree. Uh, but when it's supposedly a, a work function, I guess that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And then the whole walk to the door, I thought was cute. The lead up to it was cute. I, you know, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. Fucking A. Like, the only reason I wouldn't give it an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. It's an A+. Plus. <laughs> Fuck right. it. No, like, uh, the only thing that I didn't like about it was... The awkwardness of the aftermath of it. Uh, it was just like, it went on for, a, like, I didn't mind necessarily how long the scene went on for. Mm-hmm. But I did notice it because it's unusual for rom-com kisses scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was also just, I don't, I don't know. It went, it, it, something about it was just kind of weird. and it, I'll tell you what was weird. I'll tell you what was weird. The fact that he's like kissing collarbones and like kissing belly and like all that other sort of shit. It was the moment he was out of frame. In yeah. the fucking neighborhood yes. on the front door. There's a goddamn neighbor looking at you like about like basically yeah. the coochie that you're about to try to eat out in a little bit. 
With the like, babysitter and her four-year-old right on the other side of the door. Like, yeah, it's just like it's, there is there's nowhere to hide right now. Yeah. Like, there's this is this is betcha shit right here. Like, I thought that the neck kissing at first was cute and romantic and sweet and shit. Like, you're both in the moment. There's no neighborhood. You're it's just you. I get yeah. it. That's really that's that's nice. And they dragged it. You kind of have to drag out that scene. You have to lengthen it and make it involved so you're just in that moment with the couple i get that but yeah as soon as he started like going out of frame and shit and letting my vivid imagination wander with what the fuck he's doing down there and then realizing the reality of the situation and seeing her reactions to her facial expressions to it remembering that we're outside still perfectly illuminated by a door stoop light surrounded by neighbors like then i'm just like okay this is really fucking awkward okay now no longer is it really sweet and romantic and amazing and beautiful for a first kiss now it's like okay it's not it's not bad but it's 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 it's, it's getting weird and i don't yeah. like it so that's the only problem i had with it but otherwise i fucking love the kiss the whole like the lead up to it was great the, the pretense behind it was great. I loved his uh, his ninety ten. Did you notice that he went ninety ten? Yeah, uh, I mean, I even went, like the he moment he did it. I yelled at the TV. He went ninety, and then she grabs him as he starts to pull away because he went ninety ten on the drunk night and kissed her, and then realized, oh shit, that was a bad idea, and then right. he was. And then he was like, oh, no, 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 sorry. This was a work thing. And then she was like, no, 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 no. Right, right. He leans in, expresses his his desire for it, yeah. and starts pulling back. And then she's just like, instead of some other emotion that could have easily just communicated, yes, I'm interested too. Yeah. Instead, she just went for the full back of the head fucking grab. She palmed yeah. his fucking neck. Yeah. And just jumped on him. It was like, fuck this shit. Makes out with him. I'm like, yes! That was the most commanding her character has ever been, and it was the hottest she was in the whole movie. Because it was just like, yes, take command of the situation, fuck this shit, go after what you want. Yeah. I mean, like, well, she was walking mac and cheese the whole entire time. Anyway. Because <laughs> 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 he was like, he got a hug and a kiss from Ray before they even got in the fucking cab to go to the Mexican restaurant. So, I mean, yeah, he didn't have to do much to <laughs> to, to get her to let him in. <laughs> like walking back and she. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> I also don't know if you're referencing a vine or not, or if that's if you just made that straight up metaphor out of nowhere. There's, do you know there's a vine that is like that? You know about that? Well, no. There's a stand-up comedian that I used to watch back in college named Steve Bird, where he had a stand-up joke, where he was like, 
you know, I, I, every time he could hear his neighbors through the wall, you know, making mac and cheese. Oh, and then, oh and then, God. And then, oh. And then all of a sudden he would just be like, then he could hear, you know, noises just like, like, you know, hard, blah, blah, blah. And it, like, he was like, they would go so fast that I, one time I knocked at the door, like, stop, stop going so fast, you're going to choke. <laughs> <laughs> and then also in the song "WAP" by Cardi B, oh, of course. Jacket, they make a reference to mac and cheese. Of course, of course. Of course. Well, there's there's a vine about it too, where he's just like, it's like a a selfie, you know, of the of the kid. Oh, and he's and, like, hey, Bob, you know what this sounds like? And it, yeah, he's like, you know what yeah. this? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it, I, I know just, that one. Uh, yeah, that that whole that kid. I, mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, for me, what do you think? I agree with the whole mighty ten thing and everything else like that. I I personally just couldn't get over the whole front doorstep thing. Um, yeah, it was a little weird. I get why because there's a disapproving sister-in-law or sister. I forget if it's by, by law or not. Um. Okay, that's fine, but you can still but have a kiss on that, the doorstep. And then also, um, you know, the babysitter and then Ray himself. And it's just like, once again, she wants to bring him in, but there's like three other people. So she really wants to bring him in. And she keeps saying she doesn't, but the real thing is she does. So she's like, right now, the best case scenario for me and for my WAP is if just staying on this doorstep here and letting him go to town. And then finally she just nuts up and says, no, we got to go inside. Let's, let's get this, get this done and get it, get it going. Yeah. Which again, and, if you look at this, if you look a little, I guess, if you want to look a little deeper into that scene, I guess you could read into it. Like maybe she's growing as a character too, even in that scene where she's, you know, she would normally be timid and shy and not want, you know, to impede on the life that she's built, which is represented by whatever is inside the house. But she finally just says, fuck it and throws caution to the wind and says, I want what I want. Yeah. You know, I give it a B plus only for the whole door doorstep thing. And also I, I never feel a hundred percent kosher with like scenes where, Someone says, I, I, you know, I can't let you inside sort of thing. But then they keep kissing. And then, so, and then like, the, the woman relents. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's just like, uh, it never feels not pushy to me. Mm. And that's that's always kind of a, uh, it's just, I don't know. I just, I'm always uneasy about that. Like, Yeah. that I mean, that is. I, that's I just because my mom busted into my head. No means no. Like, she that yeah same same here i mean it, well, which is good like that's yes what course. we all should grow up with but um yeah I, I will say i i looked at that scene too with similar thoughts where it was like yeah subconsciously like we're we were raised to think differently and i was picturing myself in that situation because speaking from experience that's that has happened a lot to me where it's like you're you're constantly in this gray area where you mm -hmm. you're you're in a moment together and you're trying to read what they want and gauge it against what you know you want and 
then you're also trying you're you're at odds with the other variables of the situation like you know the neighbors watching and avoiding the sister and the babysitter and the kid and like thankfully i've never been in that exact situation but um yeah it's a weird gray area to be in and it's i will say from experience when you're in it in real life it doesn't it's not as um creepy i from my personal experience i would say it's not as it's it's not creepy or um sketchy as it would seem from a third person standpoint you know what i mean yeah um it, it in the moment it feels more like a game that you both are participating in and the fact that you're both still participating is like the signifier i guess I, it's nine sense really of the law weird. possession possession is nine sense of the law <laughs> Anyway. Uh, so, um, so, uh, so what would you give it? Happens, I, I said B plus. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. As far as what happens after or after this kind of goes into it, like the other little bit of me, that's a little uncomfortable with that kiss is that the whole idea of him as Rod Tidwell so eloquently puts it shoplifting the pooty. <laughs> There's that whole thing where it's just like he he the, the, he obviously likes her and cares about her mm-hmm. and appreciates her and Ray's presence in his life but it also feels like he's going through the motions and there's this little tiny bit that just doesn't say he's like mm-hmm. fully committed which is why they break up that's mm-hmm. the whole thing it's that last little bit um, that last little bit of commitment. So I think what happens after or after, because after he gives a speech and you complete me, you know, he's realized it for that moment. I feel like they stay together. They continue to be married. You know, everything. Ray grows up, yada, yada, blah, blah. But they have a fight and near breakup every few years about him not fully appreciating Dorothy, you know, like not being as like in love. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's going to be a constant conversation in their relationship from that on. Like a a recurring argument or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so some would look at that, like, you know, is that a quote unquote successful relationship where, it's not like a full you not you don't fully feel like you're a hundred percent head over heels in love, yada yada. But at the same time, there's a definite commitment between the two of them. And there's a definite love between them, but it's just not like the head over heels mushy cushy kind. Because Right, right. It's more of like a it's it's love, it's not necessarily in love. Yeah. it's it's basically already graduated to like where love and relationships go ten years from yeah decide to be in a relationship yeah like exactly. he's already graduated to that point and it's just like so I, I you know i just think that they have a good long-lasting commitment with each other but it's not necessarily the 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 fire burning right. inside uh, like rod and marcy have you know <laughs> so well what they uh, have is definitely yeah. unique it's it's on par with the italian couple from leap year 
Oh yeah, Rod and Marcy. Yeah, Absolutely. like that. That they're they're unique. They're in a league of their own. You know. Yeah, but yeah, talk about Dorothy and Jerry's relationship. Like this is this is the moment. I like I like their relationship from what little we saw of it. That's that's what I think I'll lead with. Um, I I liked the broad scope of their relationship that we got to see. And I liked the the rom-com scenes that we got from the relationship. Um, you know, the kiss scene and the um, professing his love in front of her friends or not even her friends, her support group scene. And, you know, whatever. It, all that stuff I liked. But now, that, and especially now that we've, we've talked about a little bit we i feel like we didn't get enough of their actual courtship you know yeah and i i can see why like we covered a broad timeline so you're not it's not just focusing in on this one little small time lapse you know snapshot of their relationship it's the broad spectrum of it but you know, for a two hour and 20 minute fucking movie, <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to see a little bit more. Um, and I would have liked, to, especially in the beginning, just like set it up, build it up a little bit. Uh, give me a little bit more evidence of how cute they are together. Um, n- you know, and, and I wanted to see that context to go with the theme when we got to the final, you know, climactic scene of him professing his love in front of her friends. And maybe some of that goes back to her acting and his acting. I don't know, but for some reason, it just, it didn't hit home with me. It was, (laughs) it was good. I'm just just singing the song in the background. Cause it always plays in the background during like the love scene. Yeah. The important love moments. I I honestly didn't even notice it, so I I have no idea. Um, So I don't know. I'm kind of torn about. I I liked I liked for their rom. Would you shut up with the damn song? (laughs) If it was on all the damn time, didn't you get enough Bruce Springsteen? Jesus. <laughs> oh fuck. Um so yeah, I, I liked I liked their romance. I just didn't I didn't get enough of it, I guess, you know. That's what I mean with by what happens after or after. I feel like it was a sense of obligation for yeah. Jerry. And you never quite shake that feeling 100%, but you also kind of reach a level where it's just like, but it's not technically obligation. Like, there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, without a better word, a lot of like between them. (laughs) But as far as, like, quote unquote, love, it's not the traditional love that you see in a rom-com it's the more of the committed love that you would see as i mentioned in a long-lasting relationship but that's yeah that's well that's kind of what i meant by saying it they were they love each other but they're not in love 
And it's just like, yeah, can, can that be enough? Well, and then I also, I, that, that climactic scene, um, like there was nothing particularly wrong with it at all, but it still left me sitting here questioning something that I thought was very telling about their relationship and about him as a character. The whole movie, we're told that he doesn't know how to be alone. Yes. He doesn't know how to be alone. And furthermore, because of that, he understands intimacy. He understands love, but he hasn't quite learned how to fully embrace it and let himself embrace it. And at that scene, I'm sitting here questioning all of those things still. Has he actually learned how to open himself up? We haven't been shown that. Has he, can he be, can he really be alone? We haven't been shown that. So to your after ever after point, like, I'm still left wondering, like, is this just another, you know, rash decision to save yourself? So so I found one thing in common between uh, Dorothy and Jerry Maguire specifically. And it was the fact that both of them were very insecure about a lot of things. Well, yeah. Did you, did you notice the, where they both turned to each other and ask, why do you love me? Yeah. When didn't, wasn't it like two episodes ago we talked about how that was a, that's a bad question to ask. (laughs) Yeah. That was like the quintessential question for insecurities in a relationship. Quintessential insecurities, And also just like, oh, when, if you get asked that question, it's just that that's a red flag. To and the fact that he asked her or started asking her and then she goes, well, why do you love me? That was like, I'm sitting here going, oh, my God, it's worse than I thought. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then Ray comes in and yeah. And yeah, and that's and then she smiles at him and, it, and I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. yes, now you're picking up on why you two do love each other is because of him. But so, then she doesn't really pick up on that. So but, then I let's, I let's dive into this deeper. Let's okay. think of the one fearless moment Jerry Maguire had in this film, like the the quintessential fearless moment that led to this film happening. The memo. Yeah. It's not a memo. Yeah, the mission statement that he comes up with after he got told off by the kid of a client, and it really affected him because once again he's insecure. What if, and basically a kid telling him to fuck off for not caring about the well-being of another human that he has a quote-unquote relationship with has led him into a personal spiral in which he has to write a mission statement completely disavowing the current practices of his profession. Just from a little kid telling him to fuck off. So... There's there's a lot of insecurity there. Well, 
I don't know that I would package that as insecurity though. There's that insecurity leads to a fearless moment when he finally creates the mission statement and then gives it out to everyone. That was his fearless moment. Yeah, I, I totally agreed with that. Then he goes back to his, you know, he, then he realizes his quote unquote mistake and immediately goes back to fear. When he comes down to the lobby, he gets applause that gets his fear to go away. You're like, Oh, luckily they all, they all read it and loved it. I'm okay. And then he gets fired. Yeah. <coughs> so, which in itself is a fantastic message because it's, it's telling you like, okay, first you can't, you can't wait around for the approval of others. You have to do something and do things in your life because it is your life and it is doing it for you. Mm-hmm. And now, you can't, you can't wait around for everyone else's approval. And then you need to take that and turn it into action, go do things with it and do it because you would, uh, it brings you joy. He never makes that transfer. He never makes that leap to that conclusion. And I can say that because I have fallen into that trap more often than not, where you're onto something, you think you, you've had a revelation, but you're still craving outside approval for it. Instead of just being able to be confident enough in your own decision, like, this is what I want. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. And I'm going to do it because this is who I am. Simply having that motivation is, I think, a level that everyone strives for. But I, I wouldn't necessarily call that insecurity. I think that would just be, for him, it was insecurity, I guess, maybe in the moment. but Or that's what was allowing it to happen in the first place. But then I think that insecurity turned into a, a, a real, actual, healthy revelation for him. Yeah, I agree. And that's what led to the fearless moment. Right. That so but I, then he didn't really so grow from there as much as I thought he that's, could have. That's what I'm saying. So let's move let's move on to like the relationship that he has with Dorothy. Okay. Would you consider when he asked her to marry him a fearless moment or a fearful moment? Fearful. Yes. Very I fearful. Because she's about to leave San Diego. And I say that because like when I'm watching that scene, anxiety immediately surfaced in my body <laughs> like, because I have been in that situation, not the proposal situation or part of it, but that situation where you are immediately flooded with this sense of desperation that you're all of a sudden it's not a it's not a person anymore or a girl or a, anyone you don't want to lose it is this lifeline this anchor to a reality that you are losing and that's when you're like you go into desperation mode and you're like let's get fucking married dude no so i'm watching it from like third person point of view going oh my god is this what i look like in those situations holy shit that is desperate like so yeah he's totally fearful he's totally terrified of being alone Along the same lines, you the gamble pays off 
Rod Tidwell has just had a huge night on Monday Night Football to lead the Cardinals to the playoffs. And you see him and his and just crying and being happy with his wife. Mm-hmm. And basically having the quad moment. Mm-hmm. That is the quad moment. And My ambassador decide, of quad. Yes. And you run to the airport and you get on a flight and you go to the house of, of Dorothy. Is that a fearful moment or a fearless moment for him? Hmm. This one's more of a Rorschach. I would, my knee-jerk reaction would be that it's fearless. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. Because he's, he's acting, not reacting. You know? Okay. So... In the proposal scene, she's leaving. He's suddenly faced with the end of his reality. And he reacts by overcompensating to protect that reality. I would say in this situation, he's, I guess maybe he's, he's taking the first step. He's not reacting to someone else's first step. Um, okay okay initially i was gonna say fearful because he kind of admits to it in his speech you know his firm had a big night but it wasn't a big night for him because he was without her and so he saw that kind of future having these big nights and having them not feel as big without her and so that fear took him to the house that's why I was going to say fearful. That's but why I questioned that, it. That's, that's why that's I brought up this whole your, scene in the first place. So your interpretation and mentioning the fearlessness of it to make that decision to go to that house when struck with that fear, that's fearless because if he was like, if that fearful, if he was being real fearful, he would have, Real fear, he would have called. Real fear, he would have made a phone call to her. Yeah, or a text. It would have been like, I miss you, that kind of thing. Yeah. But fearlessness, he went to the house. Yes, he is, he probably he is making – he's he probably taking the leap. He didn't have a hotel room booked. He did not have a hotel room booked. He, was, he went to that house and planning on sleeping in that goddamn bed. Or not even planning, just – just uh, there is no after. I yeah. I haven't thought about it. I haven't thought that far ahead. There is no thinking involved. There is just acting. Yeah. I need to act now. That's to me. That's fearlessness because it's like you know it's there's a significant probability that shit is going to blow up in your face, but you yeah. can't think about it. You just. You just know deep down in your gut you have to take action on this thing. And how it turns out is how it turns out. But you, either way, you know you have to do it. And you know what I 
wish as and I agree with you on all that. What I I'm thinking about the speech now, in that context of a fearless moment where he just. And I mean that is a fearless moment because he didn't know what the fuck he was gonna say. There's so many pauses. There's these weird tangents where he's like thinking aloud. Yeah, which I liked. I liked that that he was like, real in the moment. That's, that's that's Cameron Crowe being the sole voice on this film, for good and for bad. Like it's good because it's just like that's very lived in. That's very real. That's definitely what a common man would be doing in this situation. Exactly. But as far as it coming off on film. It just feels clunky watching it on film because on film, you're not given the raw ingredients to cook. You're given the meal cooked. Right. And it's just like that. that eh. Yeah. I, I, I loved that, that he I bumbled order, a little bit. It made I him relatable. I ordered steak medium. <laughs> they could have done it better. They could have kept him yeah. still and, relatable and bumbling, but they could have I, written the dialogue a little bit better. Like, I can't get over how because i didn't realize this i didn't realize when i was younger i didn't catch that you complete me as a callback oh right yeah i didn't notice that i didn't know that either until i watched it but (laughs) yeah i didn't realize that it was said in the elevator and it was just like so i caught that this time like oh this is a callback to a, a moment right after she had committed to him she had committed oh. to his company and they're in this elevator and he says the words that she just mentioned to him that he signed out. Interesting. Like, like, this is the detail point. he remembered from our lives. That's gonna that's gonna bring back the mac and cheese. <laughs> and so yeah. I just feel like having a little offshoot line like the world is cynical and people you complete me like that is a weird line to have to cut off and pause and then say you complete me i feel like i completely agree i completely agree i feel like agree. that should just be like there should have been more of a pause silence and then just kind of like almost like him catching it out of the air just like you can see the light bulb in his eyes and he's just like i know what to say and he just yeah. says you complete me that and was he, and if he had figured out how to sign it or at least like do a bad sign of it. Like just do the complete word when he says it to her. I feel like it would have hit even for, it would have hit even harder. I just, it, I would have just settled for a better, just a little bit better dialogue. And that. A pause and just like, just let him just kind of like fumble and fumble and fumble. But I think the fumbling needed to be a little more pronounced and then just have him just say, fuck it. You complete me, bitch. I'm never going to stop loving you, bitch. I was just thinking of that. I was just thinking of that. Like... <laughs> this is why we're friends. Uh, I love you, bitch. I'm never going to stop loving you. It's. <laughs> oh, that's such a good line. Um, so, along those lines, what would you give this movie? What is the final verdict for you, Max? This is this is a definite fuck. It fucked this movie. Uh, I I would have to watch it a couple more times to really know if it would be a Mary, but I see it's got potential. Um, 
it's definitely like it's definitely worth watching at least once in your lifetime. It's a solid movie. Uh, I I love a lot about it. I love the um, the lessons you can learn, you can take away from it about the the relationship aspects, about career aspects, about personal struggles, self confidence, everything. Like it's got a lot of layers to it that I love. You know, I love layers. Oh yeah. So I love I love a lot about it. Uh, but there's a, there's a couple of clunky things that we've talked about that, I, for my own personal you know marriage, I I would like to see improved upon. I feel you. I would give this a solid fuck as well. I mean, you got to watch it to know all the pop culture references that stemmed from this movie. Absolutely. There's a lot of quality to it. It's just the right amount of corny for a rom com. And despite everything else and like the borderline fuckboyism of Jerry Maguire as a character, it's borderline. Mm-hmm. He, he comes out on the right side of it, but it's borderline. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like, there's a lot to like to make up for a lot the the bit to dislike. So, right, right. Definitely a solid fuck. Definitely give it a you know a watch, you know, even a couple watches, um, or. You know, if you're like me, watch it a bunch when you're a kid and then just know the movie by heart, even though you haven't seen it in 20 some odd years and you knew every part coming up. So it was weird. It Wait, was like had it really been back. had it really been that long since you'd seen it? I hadn't watched it again since I was a kid. Oh, like, I shit. I, saw, I thought you'd seen it multiple times since then. No, I've watched it multiple times as a kid and then I never really watched it again. Like, oh. I yeah. So, yeah, I, it's been 20 years. Yeah, it's been uh, 20 years or so Four since score. I watched it. Yeah. And so it was just, yeah, but I remembered the fucking eight pounds, you know, the human head weighs eight pounds. <laughs> I remember like, just a bunch of shit from it. So. I, one thing I want to shout out to real quick is one thing about Cameron Crowe as a director, though, he created a lot of beautiful still shots. Like, where it was just like one background and people like maneuvering in and out of the background. And so it just made for like almost like these, this photograph quality of the film sometimes like uh, when uh, Jerry's waiting to go to the Mexican restaurant on the street and then Dorothy walks out and they have like the moonlight backlight and the two of them looking at each other on the street. That's a little, really pretty scene. Also, when uh, Rod is and Jerry decide to fuck off from that commercial for Camel Chevrolet, oh, yeah. like all all the stuff that they're walking past and like all the like moving parts and everything else like that, that's a cool shot. There's a lot of really cool stylized shots in this film. Yeah, I, I did. That, it elongated the length of the movie, but a lot of it looked cool. Yeah, I did notice. You're, you're right. I did notice a lot of scenes where I. I subconsciously kind of made note of of stuff going on in the background. There were a lot of a lot of extra moving parts to a lot of scenes. Yeah. Even like uh, the scene where um, uh, uh, Tidwell is downed, and we're not sure if he's getting up, and it's zoomed in on him on the field with the coaches all around him and the trainers all around him, and in the background you can see the sideline. And in the background, just over the coach's back, 
is Tom Cruise. You can't really see much more below like his armpits. Like it's bust up. Mm-hmm. And he's tiny. He's in the background, but it's just enough to see his expressions of concern about his newfound yeah. friend. Yeah. And it's, I picked up on, or I, I noticed that where I'm like, the foreground action is you're concerned about this down player. And here I am looking at Tom Cruise in the very background where you barely notice him. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, like he's legit concerned about this dude. Like it's, it's really helping the whole atmosphere of the scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he did. You're right. He did do a lot of good directing. I thought. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's uh, that's our thoughts on Jerry Maguire as a film. Back to reviewing good quality rom coms again. Yeah, thank you for bringing us back. Real nice. Felt Fuck. Nice. Um, and now I'm ready for some football. <laughs> um, like we don't have any real football to watch. Well, NFL's coming back on Thursday, homie. Yeah, but it's not college football. I never, <laughs> I never got into the NFL. That's fair. Uh, so you can find our show on socials uh on instagram it's bromancing the stone podcast all one word bromancing the stone podcast on twitter it's bro the stone pod so b-r-o-t-h-e-s-t-o-n-e-p-o-d and then on twitter i am supermarket sweep without the e in super so s-u-p-r market sweep uh supermarket sweep is coming back on october 18th on abc completely separate oh, from yeah. oh yeah but, uh, <laughs> yeah it's going back and i'm super duper stoked for it um and then uh and then also my instagram is relusa88 that's r-e-l-u-s-a-8 and my instagram my instagram is the lionhearted which is t-h-e period l-y-o-n-h-e-a-r-t-e-d yes sir and so now it's your choice for a film here all right. Watching hmm. next week. Hmm. Choices, choices, choices. You sure you don't want to watch Monster in Law again? I I will not <laughs> do that. <laughs> it might get better. Um. <laughs> well, I can't do worse than that, right? Uh, I don't think so. I hope not. Um, I think I'm going to go with another Sandra Bullock. Okay. The only question is which one? Well, I don't know. Am I feeling a Sandra Bullock movie? I don't know. I don't know. You'd think I would have thought about this prior to the episode. Yeah, you you would have. You would have thought that. Also, we did Sandra Bullock pretty recently. We did. I'm... Wedding you know season. what? No, fuck this. I'm, I'm. We're coming off of a month of breaking the rules for our podcast, and I'm in the mood for something lighthearted. I'm gonna go with the Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. That is what we will be watching next week. I'm sure the tens and tens of listeners are very familiar with that movie, so. It's going to be a classic that we're going to discuss. It's right next to it's right next to Jerry Maguire on our list. There you go. So uh, one classic deserves another. It looks like so. And until then, 
We appreciate y'all for listening. Thank y'all for rocking with us. And we'll catch you next week. All right. Love you guys.